Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the bonus episode. Needed to get some content out. Sorry, it's in between part two and part three of the Westies series that I'm that I'm currently involved with, but we've had uh, some scheduling problems. I was sick last week. The guys on uh, Dark Windows were working their ass. They were working like fifteen hour days or something at their at their job. Uh, I know uh, Kevin was, so we had to wait a week to you know record or whatever. You know, it's life. It happens. But uh, I figured I'd put out this little bonus episode. And it is a case that I do not believe has been covered before. And it's really an intriguing case. A lot of missteps, you know, with some law enforcement. It's a pretty intriguing case. Lots of theories. But unfortunately, there's not very much information. So, and even the information like uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Brooklyn Paper... A lot of the information in those sources even contradicts itself, so I kind of had to go through and piece this thing together because there really was there really isn't very much info out there, and it, it was publicized really really heavy at first, but ever since then it's been a really really quiet case and. It's really frustrating, and you'll see why once I get uh, towards the end of the episode and give you all the details. Before we get started with the episode, I do have to thank some new Patreon subscribers. I have to thank Lisa O, Jules, Matt, Lisa R, Chastity, and Faith. Thank you all very, very much. I appreciate it. Uh, for anybody else that wants to sign up for the extra episodes, it's $1 a month. Uh, you go to patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash mysterious circumstances. You know, enjoy the back catalog. There's not a whole bunch of there, you know what I mean? But that's uh, pretty good stuff, you know. I try to put in some good effort. With that being said, on with the show. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now. And if not, just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. Alright, this is going to be like an old school episode that I used to do, you know, a couple years ago. Same uh, same concepts, same timeline, you know, facts, theories, suspects, all that good stuff. So, let's get started. Josh Rubin was from Providence, Rhode Island. After high school, he went away to college. He ended up coming back home afterward. Uh, he worked a few years at a coffee shop called Coffee Exchange, and... It is around this time that he became obsessed with coffee. He had a real passion for it. He wanted to learn all about it. So, you know, that ended up kind of being his dream, was opening up his own uh, coffee shop cafe. So in 2010, at the age of 30, he uh, borrowed some money from his parents, and he moved to Ditmas Park area 
Brooklyn, New York, to open up a coffee shop. He ended up uh, renting an apartment there in the Kingston area of Brooklyn with a few roommates. I believe he had four roommates. And in September of 2011, he opens up the coffee shop Whisk Bakery Cafe. And it's an immediate success. Uh, it took right off. Josh was, uh, he was doing pretty good. He was doing pretty good for himself. Now on Halloween 2011, at about 9 p.m., Josh Rubin is last seen in front of his apartment, like I had mentioned, in the Kingston area of Brooklyn. He had shared it with four other roommates. They all saw him leaving. Now, according to one source, and I don't know, it was like the New York Times or something, you know, he was supposed to be meeting a friend, but that friend later said that he had never arrived. Now, I only read that in one place. Nobody else said that he was supposed to be meeting a friend. So, you know, that was never confirmed by any additional sources other than one. Now, at about 8.30 a.m. on November 1st, 2011, the very next morning, in South Whitehall Township, Pennsylvania, which is about 98 miles or a two-hour drive just west of Brooklyn, on Applewood Drive, which is a country road uh, right on the edge of a 70-acre apple orchard, and it's right on a right on the bend between Huckleberry Road and uh, Hassadall Road. A public works employee, which is like a road crew worker, um, he comes across a smoldering body. And he alerts a person who is uh, walking their dog nearby. Now, uh, the county coroner shows up, does his autopsy and everything. And it was determined that this victim, who is unidentified, was shot one time in the chest and then set on fire. They had no idea who this person was. They knew that he wore glasses, and that was about it. They did a composite sketch of him, and it was highly publicized in that area of Pennsylvania, and nobody recognized him. Nobody knew who he was. So while this is going on back in Brooklyn, uh, you know, there's, you know, missing persons posters. It's a very public disappearance, you know, for weeks, uh, you know, for weeks, Pennsylvania is trying to identify this body. Uh, Brooklyn is searching for a missing person. Two totally different states. Nobody knew anything was connected or anything like that. So they have two totally different agendas going on right now. Now, there is a big problem, obviously, when it comes to stuff like this. You have jurisdiction issues. You have communication issues. And it's hard to place any blame on the NYPD for not looking in other states for missing persons. Last year alone in New York, there were 13,000 people reported missing. Now, a lot of them were, you know, found within the same day. Now, that, mind you, this is one year. 13,000 people went missing last year in New York. Now, that's on average, that's like 35 people a day, all right? They can, they can only do so much. Now, it should be noted that between the hours of 4 p.m. and 8 p.m., the same day that his body was discovered, same day, his credit cards are used. They're used in a taxi in Manhattan. They're also used at Woodbury Commons Premium Outlets, which is like an upscale, you know, outlet mall in uh, upstate New York. And it's also used at a restaurant in that same area. Uh, it's uh, located in Central Valley, New York. It's a little over an hour north of Kensington, which is where he was living. We'll get to that a little bit later, okay? Because 
even though the NYPD is dealing with a missing person, you would fucking think that they would track credit cards. You know what I'm saying? Okay, that's the first frustrating part. Trust me, there's going to be a few more frustrating parts, okay? So on November 28th, almost a month later, Pennsylvania law enforcement gets an anonymous tip that the body that they discovered was Josh Rubin, you know, the guy missing from Brooklyn. So Pennsylvania law enforcement, who apparently wasn't trying to get DNA at this point, I don't know, uh, reached out to the NYPD for dental records because, well, you know, cops just have people's dental records on, on hand because that makes fucking sense. And the NYPD, of course, did not have them. So the Pennsylvania law enforcement, they get a hold of Ruben's family and uh, Ruben's family does get them the dental records right about the same time that they're getting DNA confirmed, which was on December 21st, 2011. The body is identified as Josh Rubin through DNA and dental records. Now, at this point, you have a jurisdictional shit going on, okay? You have a person that wound up missing from Brooklyn, New York, who was found dead, shot in the chest, set on fire for no apparent reason that we know of. No suspects or anything. This is federal. So the local police in Pennsylvania... They, they get offered help from the FBI. The FBI's like, listen, man, we can come in here and fucking handle this shit. The Pennsylvania law enforcement turned down the help of the FBI. They had stated that the NYPD was helping them. But it's weird because the NYPD never said that they were helping. They just literally didn't comment on anything. But when they did comment, NYPD said that Lehigh County was handling the investigation. So it's apparent that there wasn't very much coordination going on. I don't know if it was a pissing match or what was going on between these two, um, you know, law enforcement agencies, but the fact that a small town in Pennsylvania, literally this police department has 36 fucking people working for it at this point in time. This is 2011, late 2011, early 2012. I can't speak for him now, but at that time they had 36 employees and they turned down the help of the FBI. I don't know if they were trying to prove something. I don't know what the fuck the deal is there. But when I heard that, I got got pretty mad. I, I honestly believe if the FBI would have been involved, it, this case could have been solved. So on March 1st, March 1st, all right, this is, you know, two months down the road. Pennsylvania prosecutors finally released pictures of the two men who were using the credit cards at the outlet. Why it took so long, I have no idea. Probably could have happened a lot sooner if the FBI would have been involved. But anyway, and these pictures, I shit you not, are the most high-definition, perfect pictures of any fucking suspects you have ever seen in your life. That is point blank, all bullshit aside. I will post these pictures in the comments when I do post this episode on Facebook. I will also post them out on Instagram. These are two young males in their late teens, early 20s. I mean, they look like young kids. And the one guy, the one guy is actually tall and uh, wears glasses and kind of looks like Josh, which is really, really weird. 
But, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know what took so long to get these pictures, why it took so long to coordinate the fact that, uh, somebody was using a missing person's credit card the day after he was fucking missing. You know what I'm saying? But these are the two guys using his credit card less than 12 hours after the body was found. Now, this is between, I do believe, like 4 and 4 p.m. and 8 p.m. the following day. So I, I just don't understand that. So let's go ahead. And these are literally the, the details of the case that I have. That's That's like the timeline, all right? So what we're going to do now is we're going to backtrack and we're going to look at some facts. What's going on, everybody? Time to take a break and check out this episode's sponsor. And that sponsor is HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? It's America's number one meal kit. Get easy seasonal recipes and pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. All you have to do is cook and enjoy it. I personally like it because it's not pre-made for you. They literally send the ingredients and you actually make it yourself. They have very easy to follow instructions. I mean, it's I can follow them, so obviously it can't be too bad, right? These are simple meals, home-cooked, doesn't take long to do. HelloFresh makes cooking delicious meals at home a reality, regardless of your comfort in the kitchen. Like I said, if I can do it, I know you guys can do it. And it's it's really, really good food. I I wouldn't even lie about bad food or good food. I'll just tell you that much. You get step-by-step -step recipes to pre-measured ingredients. You'll have everything you need to get an amazing dinner on the table in just 30 minutes. You can pretty much say goodbye to, you know, going to the grocery store if you wanted to. And you can say goodbye to takeout food, too. Like, HelloFresh literally sends you the ingredients... Gives you the easy-to-follow instructions, and within a half an hour, you have a phenomenal home-cooked meal right there. And there really is something for everyone. You got family recipes, you got calorie smart, you got vegetarian, uh, you got a fun menu series like Hall of Fame and Kraft Burgers. It has more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you're going to get something really, really good. It's going to be it's going to be delicious. And the best part is it's flexible, fits your lifestyle. You can add extra meals to your weekly order, as well as, uh, you know, sides of like garlic bread and cookie dough. And you can easily change your delivery days too. You can change your food preferences. You can skip a week whenever you need, anything like that. They're extremely flexible. One of my personal favorite ones is the uh, baked chicken parmesan over spaghetti marinara. That was one of my favorite ones, and it's actually coming back up in the menu. They have changes in their menu every week, you know, it's it's just constantly changing. And the, and the food, like I said, it's so good because you're not getting, like, pre-made frozen stuff. It's literally fresh food that you prepare, you cook yourself. You know, some take, you know, a little bit longer, some take, like, 40 minutes. But, I mean, you're talking baked chicken parmesan over spaghetti marinara. I mean, take the 30 or 40 minutes and cook that. That's good food right there. And like I said, that that's just me. That's my personal favorite. It was super easy to make. I mean everything on on the menu is easy to make. It's it's never hard and it's there's not too many downsides is pretty much what I'm getting at. Now, how do you get your special offer? Here's the deal. You get $80 off your first month of HelloFresh. 
you go to HelloFresh.com slash Mysterious80 and enter the promo code Mysterious80. And bam, you get 80 bucks off your uh, first month. That's like receiving eight meals for free. That's like getting 20 bucks off your first four boxes. I mean, it's a pretty good deal. Like I said, you go to HelloFresh.com slash Mysterious80, Mysterious80, and you get 80 bucks off your first month of HelloFresh. Seriously, you guys should check out these menu. I mean, not only do they have the baked chicken parmesan, they got the chicken carnitas tacos, they got uh, creamy parmesan chicken spaghetti, juicy Lucy burgers, you know, with a tomato onion jam, roasted broccoli with it. That's the good stuff right there. Like I said, it's it's you prepare it yourself, you know, 30, 40 minutes, bam, you got a family-sized home-cooked meal right there, easy as that. So if you want to take advantage of this promo, $80 off your first month of HelloFresh, go to HelloFresh.com, Mysterious80, and enter the promo code Mysterious80. Now back to the show. Alright, now originally, one of the theories was that he had left on his own accord. Now this is before his body was identified, and this was when he was still a missing person. Because... Josh had recently been diagnosed with bipolar disorder, and he was also recovering from a suicide attempt at the time of his disappearance. He also had another occurrence of suicide attempt and went missing for a couple days after that. So he had lots of support from his family. From what I understand, his family is a very, very great, loving family. He had a lot of support there, and and from all accounts, he was fighting his way through it. He was he was trying to get better. He's doing okay. Now it should be known too that he was also trying to sublet his apartment in the days before he went missing, which even added more fuel to this particular theory. Now, like I said, this was before his body was identified, and he was still a missing person. Now, one of the facts that you should know is Josh. He was. He was tall and thin, but he was in fairly good shape. He was six foot two, 180 pounds. He would have been hard, you know, he would have fought back, you know, being, being that size of a guy, he's taller than the average guy. Another fact, other witnesses, not his roommates, said in the days before his disappearance, he was seen pacing in front of the coffee shop. He wouldn't talk to people, he was very upset, and he was often seen chain-smoking cigarettes like he was nervous about something. Another fact you should know. Josh was a diabetic. When he left the house that night, when he left his residence, he left without his insulin. So that is easy to assume that he was thinking he was not going to be gone very long. So I did get a little bit of information from Reddit, okay? And some person, there is a Reddit thread on this. It's it's absolute shit. A lot of the, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if whoever wrote that thread is listening. I apologize. But some of your shit's wrong, dude. This person pops in the comments and they said that they were uh, a roommate. They were one of Josh's roommates that, that lived with him at the time of his disappearance and all that stuff. And uh, this person stated that the cops in the area don't have the best reputation, even though it's a safe neighborhood, and that they the cops only questioned one of the roommates, not the other three, which, you know, is kind of odd. Now, apparently this precinct that controls this, that has control over this area, uh, 
they do not have the best reputation. If you look it up, you know, there's some shit going on there. Now, it should also be known that Josh was in debt anywhere from fourteen dollars to $20,000 to creditors. I heard more that it was around $14,000. In one of the articles that I read about this case, somebody said it pretty well. Uh, it was, I believe it was one of the law enforcement officials. He's, he straight up said, he's like, you can walk up and knock on any door in Brooklyn, you know, in this area, in the, in the Kingston area. And whoever opens the door is more than likely going to have credit card debt. That's like 15 grand. So they really didn't think that was a huge deal. But it should also be known that he disappeared the day before his first rent payment on the cafe was due. Now, apparently, Josh's cafe was having a little bit of problems after the initial after the, after the initial boom of it opening. And he was having, you know, some money problems from what I understand. Now, uh, in December, a New York newspaper did report that, uh, the, according to an NYPD source, quote, it looks like the killer was definitely somebody that knew him. He was trying to get money and may have been involved with the wrong crowd to make a couple of bucks. So maybe, maybe they're not far off on that. I don't know. Now, one of the theories is that Josh owed somebody money and he had a lot of debts. Okay. Yes, he was in debt. A lot of people question, how did he get the money to start the coffee shop? Well, he borrowed money from his parents to open the coffee shop. And uh, he also had a Kickstarter campaign uh, that he was collecting money through to start his coffee shop as well. Now, his roommate does state that he didn't seem intimidated, which is really odd because other witnesses that were around him, you know, in the coffee shop and people that, you know, one lady who lived above the co-op, you know, that was located by his his cafe said that you know he was distressed chain smoking cigarettes like he was really really nervous and worried about something so those contradictory accounts are kind of interesting his friends say he was already thinking about selling the cafe as well because of the money problems so that plays into the maybe he owed somebody money we don't know one weird thing that I did notice about the quote-unquote roommate that popped into the Reddit thread, this person said that, quote, the amount of time between him leaving our house and him being shot was only enough for him to walk out the door, hop in a car, and drive directly to the site of his murder, question mark, end quote. First of all, how the fuck do you know when this dude got shot, okay? I mean, I'll throw my theory out there at the end, but I want to know how this roommate can come to this conclusion of how they know that when he got shot. Because if he disappeared around 9 p.m., you have a two-hour drive. That's 11 p.m. His body was not found until 8.30 in the morning, and his credit card, obviously somebody had to drive two hours back. You know, that leaves a lot of time that's unaccounted for. So... That whole statement is not necessarily true. I mean, obviously, when his body was found, it was smoldering. It wasn't full, like, set ablaze. But it was a small smolder. It was still a little bit on fire, but it was more likely smoking because the uh, the guy who found the body 
he actually said that he thought it was like a downed power line or something like that because of the way it was just positioned in the road and, and the way it was smoking because it wasn't full on fire. So I kind of want to know how this person can just naturally assume that he was shot two hours after he left uh, the apartment or within that time frame. I thought that was a little bit odd. Another popular theory is that Josh was a possible drug dealer. Uh, this same roommate says that uh, if he was, sell- and this is a this is a quote, uh, if he was selling weed, they this person would have known because they are a smoker and weed was hard to find. And this will play a factor because the NYPD actually thought that he was moonlighting as a drug dealer. Because the New York Post reported from a source in the NYPD that Josh was trying to unload large quantities of weed to his friends. So, I can almost guarantee you not not to be that guy, but anywhere you fucking go, it's not hard to find weed, alright? You can literally walk to the fucking liquor store and talk to somebody standing outside there and buy dope off of them. You know what I mean? So that whole thing about, oh, weed was hard to find and I was a smoker. So if he was selling it, I would have been his best customer and he wasn't selling it. I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that person's lying their ass off, to be perfectly honest with you. And, you know, sorry to be critical of, of that person. You know, if you were his his roommate, they, they actually had a lot of nice things to say about Josh in their comments in that in that thread, that whole Reddit thread. Yeah, you know, so I have no doubt that they knew knew him, but at the same time, I don't think that what they're saying is factual. Is completely factual, you know. So here's my whole thing with this case. And like I said, I, I told you guys this was gonna be a shorter episode. There's a lot of things that bother me about this case. Obviously, the Pennsylvania cops, man. What are you guys fucking doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, if the FBI offers you help, fucking take it. You don't have anything to prove to anybody, all right? What you have to prove is that, hey, we can cooperate with other fucking agencies and solve a murder. That's all you have to do. But no. You know, there's a pissing match between the NYPD, Pennsylvania cops, and, uh, you know, the F, you know, FBI is just like, hey, let me fucking help you guys. And I don't think that I'm cop bashing either. Don't take that for a second because I'm the first person that is like, hey, cops did a hell of a job on this case or that case. But facts are facts. When you fuck something up, you got to be held accountable for it. You got to own that shit. So I honestly believe that this case could have been solved. First of all, if the NYPD would have pinged on the fact that a missing person's credit cards are being used the day after he fucking goes missing. And yeah, I could I could see how how they would be like, well, he might have left on his own accord, you know, da da da. I could I could see that. I really could see that argument. But at the same time, I don't know why the Pennsylvania law enforcement didn't take the help of the FBI. The NYPD, I think, should have been trying to work a little bit better with the Pennsylvania cops. I think this case could have been solved. So let's go back to the picture of the two suspects. Like I had mentioned, and I I am not exaggerating one bit, the best HD security camera footage of any suspects you will ever fucking see. Like I said, I will post the picture. 
One of them is a little bit, uh, you know, shorter. Uh, he looks like he's, you know, of Asian descent of some sort. Not 100% sure. He looks like he has like a little bit darker skin. But then the the other dude is is taller. He's thinner. He wears glasses. And he fucking looks like Josh, which is weird. Looking at the suspects, okay, we have two guys in their late teens, early 20s. And when you see this picture, I mean, they do look pretty damn young. Obviously, they're not the smartest criminals because they're using a credit card of somebody that they killed the night before, which doesn't make sense, which would suggest inexperience or like they're just dumber than fuck. But you got to think somebody who is smart enough to take a body from one state to another state and burn them beyond recognition is probably somebody who's done this before. It's because they know it. there's going to be jurisdictional shit. It's going to buy them time, you know, whatever the case may be. But also, it has to be somebody who is familiar with that area of Pennsylvania. Because you're not going to randomly drive two hours west to some random country road on the edge of an apple orchard where you know nobody's going to be at night and literally set a fucking body on fire. Alright, I think somebody was familiar with that Pennsylvania area. I think if you find that connection, I honestly believe that that's how the case is going to be solved. And I'm pretty sure we all can agree on that. It's pretty much common sense, right? So, the one thing that, that really bothers me, I guess, is that these guys don't necessarily seem like experienced hitmen or experienced killers, these two suspects. And I do believe that Josh was shot before he even left Brooklyn. I really do think that. I think that there wasn't any kind of confrontation either. If these two suspects who are on camera, if they were involved, you know, if they were the people who shot him, I think... That if there was some kind of confrontation, then they would have black eyes, maybe a fat lip or something. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with their faces. And like I said, their faces are crystal clear. So I honestly don't know how this case has not gotten anywhere or hasn't been solved by posting these pictures all over the place. So it begs the question, you know, maybe these two guys in the picture aren't necessarily the killers. Maybe they knew the killers. Uh, maybe they found Josh's wallet. You know, that could be that could be a very likely scenario. But I do think that Josh was killed by somebody that he knew. I think it was unexpected because Josh never had a chance. I don't think he had a chance to fight back. That's just, you know, personal opinion. Uh, I And I do believe that his body was transported after he was shot to this rural area in Pennsylvania uh, to be disposed of. And I think whoever did it has done something like this before, whether it's uh, you know somebody who loaned him a bunch of money, somebody who he was involved uh, with, with, with drugs. And to get killed over weed, that's got to be some pretty high, you know, a lot of quantity. That's got to be a lot of fucking drugs. So... I don't know. Those are just some of my personal opinions on what happened. I think if you find the connection between Kensington, upstate New York, you know, Manhattan, I know that's a broad range, but 
somebody around that area has ties to that area in Pennsylvania. And I think once somebody makes that connection, I think that's when the case will be solved. And not to mention, when somebody identifies these two guys that I'm about ready to plaster all over social media, hopefully that'll help get some answers too. That's pretty much all I got for you. Like I said, it was a short bonus episode. So I do apologize, but this is literally all the information I have, but it's a really intriguing case. I got to thank Ashley for suggesting it as well. She's from, uh, she's from Rhode Island. So, so thank you for, for this suggestion and, you know, to the family and friends of, of Josh Rubin, you know, I hope you guys realize that I'm just trying to get the word out here. You know, I'm not trying to bash anybody. You know, maybe a little bit of LE bashing, but not, not a whole lot. It's, it's warranted. So. Uh, I hope you guys realize what I'm trying to do, and you know, I, I hope you know that uh, there are people out here who who do still give a shit and want to see this solved. So, with that, you guys can stick around and listen to reviews if you want to. I do have quite a few to read. Some of them are not the best, but ways you can get a hold of me, you can get a hold of me through email. You can email me at mysteriouscircumstances99 at gmail.com. That's mysteriouscircumstances, the number 99, at gmail.com. You can go to themcpodcast.com. You can find my uh, contact information there. You can follow me on Instagram at mysterious underscore podcast. You can follow my personal account at burnitall13. Twitter is at podcastmc. Stop by the Facebook page, like it. That's pretty much all I got for you. So if you want to hang around and listen to reviews, I'll see you in a minute. All right, it is reviews time. Let's fucking see what we got going on here. From America. <laughs> this fucking guy. I tell you what, I give this guy credit for one fucking reason and one reason only. Actually, two reasons. One, he actually puts his name on this motherfucker. Which, you know, hey, good for you, dude. You got balls. Uh, second one is he literally states the fucking obvious. And his name, it's from uh, Gary Zanker. Three stars. Casual and boring. Give the average person a microphone and what happens? This podcast, nothing special. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ, why don't you just start one then, dude? My fucking kids have a podcast. Let's let's evaluate this. Yeah, it like it's nothing special. No podcaster is fucking special. I see podcasters every fucking day claiming they solved fucking cases that were solved by fucking family members putting DNA into a fucking system. You didn't solve shit, man. Fucking Joe Blow's fucking second cousin over here solved it. You don't fucking take credit for that shit. So yeah, no podcaster. There's no, there's no special podcasters out there. I'll be the first person to admit that. This is fucking, the hardest part is the research and the editing, you know. But uh, yeah, it doesn't take much to be a podcaster. So yeah, it's nothing special. It's a fucking hobby that I like to do. Uh, Gary Zenker, as much as I do appreciate the three stars, bro, 
you know, you can kind of go fuck yourself. Like, I do appreciate the three stars, but you're literally stating the obvious and you have absolutely no context to this fucking uh, review. So I usually don't bash three stars reviews, but you're kind of kind of a fucking idiot, man. Thank you for stating the obvious. Next one is from G G rocks you. That's uh, five stars says love it. Uh, most definitely recommend the Wyatt Earp and Doc Holiday podcast. Well researched and delivered. A bit less polished and edited than some of the podcasts I've listened to, but I suppose that's the podcaster's charm. Well, you know what? Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. I appreciate the hours and I'm sure days put into the thorough research. Would definitely recommend adding this podcast to your rotation. Uh, G rocks you. You're you're fucking awesome. I fucking love that shit. So. Thank you very much. Take a drink of that beer real quick for you. Okay, what do we got here? We got AK Loki. Ak Loki. You guys are going to love this shit. Uh, Wanted to like it. Three minutes into the Buford Pusser story, the host was dropping F-bombs like a pirate. Three minutes into the episode, okay? Cannot take seriously someone who doesn't take themselves seriously. Can't do it. I can't take people seriously who can't even construct a fucking sentence with ten fucking words in it. You can't even construct a sentence with ten fucking words in it. How are, how am I supposed... How is anybody supposed to take you seriously? You probably have that buffer zone when you fucking send emails and shit at work. If you can fucking type, you know... I don't know, fucking idiot. The best part about this review is this. I had a listener go back and listen to that episode, and I don't actually drop my first F-bomb until about the six and a half minute mark. Emma went ahead and said, Liar, liar, pants on fire. One minute of ads, then Justin's voice uh, saying this is an American Crime Cast production. A couple of minutes of quotes, one of which features the word damn. Justin begins the podcast at approximately 4.36. The first fucking is around six minutes in. (laughs) So, thank you, Emma. You You are awesome. I fucking love it. I love my listeners. I truly, truly do. You guys are awesome. And no, I didn't get a bunch of all bad reviews. I have some good ones to read on this episode as well. Oh, next, next one is from T. Stewart. Two stars. So many commercials. So many. Well, T. Stewart, let's say, I don't usually put out episodes that are under an hour in length. I have one minute of advertisements at the very beginning of my episodes, and I have one minute at the very end. You know, maybe throw in a minute and a half long promo for, for some other podcasts. Try to help them go get going. And, uh, you know, maybe a little bit of commentary, some shout outs. So, let's say collectively, about five fucking minutes. So, five minutes of not actually real commercials. But let's say five minutes of banter and commercials. And 55 minutes of actual episode. And that's so many commercials to you? Well, T. Stewart, here's the fucking deal, bro. Or ma'am, whoever the fuck you are. Uh, You pay me what these commercials do, which isn't fucking much. Trust me, 
I could put a lot more in if I wanted to. I could put one every five minutes if I wanted to, but I don't want to do that because I don't want to interrupt the flow of the story. So that's why I put one minute at the very beginning and one minute at the very end. All right, next one. Uh, this one's from Elal, E-L-L-E-A-H-L. Oh, this one's good. You guys are going to love this. One star. <laughs> Beat up by one stars lately. I really wanted to like this show. I'm, I'm actually going to read it the way it's written. However, the profanity is so unnecessary and shows a lack of vocabulary that I can only advise the host to get himself a thesaurus and improve his language skills. Also, the overuse of filler words such as you know, literary, like, etc. only heightens my opinion that this host needs to improve his vocabulary and narrating skills. Now, if you were listening to that, you noticed, well, that uh, there were some mistakes in that review. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to go to my Facebook group where I post one-star reviews just so I can read what the listeners have to say about this shit. Because, as we all know, I have a lot of disclaimers, especially about my language. But apparently, common sense is something that is not taught in public schools or reading and writing. Let's stroll through some comments here. Emma says, I advise the host gets a thesaurus, and I stopped reading. <laughs> Carol says, oh, the irony of this. <laughs> Ashton says, like, you know, shut the fuck up, literally. See what I did there, Justin? Ashton, I do see what you did. That was great. Katie says, this is literally like bullshit. <laughs> One of my friends, I'm not going to say her name, she's a podcaster. She says, this fucktard said literary instead of literally. Give me a break, literally, idiot. Tell me again who needs a vocab lesson. Oh, what else we got? <laughs> Keith says, hey, leave her alone. It's hard to mouth breathe and construct sentences at the same time. Clearly doesn't get the non-scripted aspect of the podcast, the very aspect that makes the show feel like a chat with a mate as opposed to getting talked at by some shouty, gregarious host. She should uh, try a half-hour stream of the consciousness. A half-hour stream of consciousness and see, see how uh, she goes. Mandy says, I would advise this person to get someone to proofread their reviews. Kelly says, maybe a thesaurus dictionary combo pack would benefit the author of this review tremendously. This way, she wouldn't have to literary repeat the same words in one sentence multiple times. Hashtag eye roll. She must be fun at parties. <laughs> I fucking agree with that. Megan says, first off, no one cares about your height and sense of anything. Second... You mean literally instead of literary. Third, you meant advise, not advice. Get your shit together before writing a review of a show you didn't even read the explicit warning to. 
Uh, Daniel says, clearly the thesaurus didn't help this person get through a disclaimer or two. Also, this dumbass probably doesn't realize that a podcast and the host's interpretation of the subject matter, so fuck them, use whatever filler words that are required. But anyway, yeah, I love my listeners, like, more than anything. You guys are, are the fucking rock, man. You guys fucking kick it. Alright, what else we got? Uh, we are still cruising in America here. So, we got uh, Miss Fairy, 19, five stars. Great research, fun host. I was a guest on in an episode, so I guess I might be biased, but I love the amount of research that goes into this podcast and the interesting subjects. Love falling down the rabbit hole. Thanks, Justin. This is from April Simmons. She actually runs uh, Mysterious Circumstances Magazine on Facebook. So if uh, if you guys want to go check that out, she actually started her own podcast recently too, which you will be hearing a, a promo for here within the next few episodes. So next one, we got Neutron Don. Uh, five stars, Don Draconian. I like the Draconian thing. I like that. I got that. I got you there. Says, love the show. I just discovered you going through your uh, back catalog and just finished Wyatt Earp. Wow. You do your homework. You truly stand out because of that. Most podcasts just skim the surface and all too often get important points a bit wrong. But not you. Highly recommend to anyone who wants the straight story. Thank you. Neutron Don, thank you very fucking much, man. Um, that, that really... I appreciate that um, more than you would know, man. I, I really worked hard on a lot of those uh, longer series episodes. So I'm glad that people do appreciate it. And it really does mean a lot to me. So thank you very much, sir. Uh, next one's from Chelsea Anaya. Five stars. Love, love, love. Says, interesting and informative. The host is a hard-ass sweetheart. The amount of research is amazing. And I love that Justin calls it like he sees it and sticks by what he says. Very refreshing and a must listen. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. I'm glad that you are enjoying the show. Uh, next one is from L. Oh man, I can't remember if I, if I ran this one or not. Uh, L. Diesel Camp. Five stars, well-researched and immensely entertaining, very well-researched podcast that covers a wide variety of topics, entertaining while also offering new and in-depth information on every topic, natural style that keeps it from sounding scripted and dull. It is hard, uh, it is clear how much time and passion he puts into every episode. Keep it up, Mr. Rimmel. Thank you very much. Uh, and that's actually my friend, uh, um, Lauren from, from Texas. So thank you, Lauren. I appreciate that a lot. I'm glad you're still listening to episodes. <laughs> I'm glad you haven't gotten tired of me yet. Uh, this one is from uh, Mr. CPFIII. I don't know. Five stars, Mysterious Circumstances. says, great podcast. It's like listening to stories from your best bud while you're chilling out, having a beer. Love the laid back feel. Highly recommend this podcast. Keep up the good work. Carl Floyd from Gardner, Kansas. Fuck to the yes, Carl Floyd, dude. Uh, I've actually been talking to this guy. I met him uh, in Kansas. Super awesome guy. Super fucking cool. So thank you, Carl, man. I appreciate that. I think we need to go to the UK at this point. Pretty sure I read the other ones. Oh, what do we got here? Jamie from Liverpool. Five stars. Give this a chance. If ever a show... 
Uh, if ever a show epitomizes give it a chance it is this one the first time i listened to it i thought unprofessional poor audio too much swearing and badly unscripted uh but now i would i would change that to authentic homely and uh i feel like uh, i just have had a chat with with my intellectual slightly quirky cousin and learned something from his strange stories <laughs> Highlight for me is the Kurt Cobain episode, and I mean this as a compliment, Justin. Uh, but I could tell that was a personal one for you, and it showed. Uh, you are the epitome of someone who is learning and improving on the job. Also, your weaknesses are what sets you apart from other shows. So never change, and you will continue to win skeptics like the 2018 me over. Jamie from Liverpool. Thank you so fucking much. The Kurt Cobain episode was a very personal one for me. I, I grew up being a Kurt Cobain fan. I was 13 when he died. I remember seeing it on MTV News when it happened. Uh, you know, it was an emotional episode, but I think uh, it was a beneficial one because I, I think we brought to the table a lot of facts about his early life that, that a lot of people didn't know. Also, a lot of facts about his death that people might not know as well. Definitely a personal episode for me, but one of my favorites. I, I put a lot of time and, and work into that one, as did uh, as did the ladies from uh, True Crime Story Storytime podcast. They're uh, very good friends of mine. They're they're my Australian sisters, is what they are. So thank you very very much. I'm I'm trying, and you know, hopefully you get caught up soon because you'll you'll see. You know, it's it's been an improvement. It's it's always a learning curve. You know, it's always about evolving, you know. Uh, next one is uh, QAS1. Five stars, it says Jamil. Uh, the way you throw it out there is just the best. Please do it the way you are. Good luck for the future. You know what? Thank you very fucking much. I appreciate that. And I do believe I read the one from Haley81 last time I read reviews. So... Let's see how much fucking hate we're getting from Australia. No new reviews from there. And let's check Canada real quick. And that is pretty much all I have for now. So, thanks for sticking around, listening to reviews. Hopefully it wasn't fucking totally boring or whatever. You know, the last 10, 15 minutes, whatever, the, whatever it was. But uh, thank you all very much. Appreciate it. And uh, see you on the flip side.